Shut up, nigga. Today is not the day. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Ain't going to be many of them this season. Shut up. Shut up. Don't start. First and foremost, follow the page. Appreciate y'all being here. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at the G2S Network. Um, at for Panthers fans only on TikTok, Instagram, threads, at C-A-R-F-P-F-O on Twitter slash X. Uh, <laughs> Can we get some music? At least funeral music, something. All I'm going to say is I highly, highly, highly recommend uh, Parental Advisory this, this episode. Cause <laughs> I won't be cussing today, just to let y'all know. Cool, he's not. I, I made a promise to somebody. <laughs> I couldn't give a fuck. So, put it this way: I got a couple of people to address. Um, first and foremost, let, let's just start here. Dave Tepper, when he took over this team, said that mediocre play would not be tolerated. He said the city has suffered through mediocre play for long enough. He claimed to have bought music to Charlotte, (laughs) which in itself was just delusional. In itself itself was just delusional. Um, Fired Ron Rivera after winning seven games, which... That win total didn't get matched until last year when he fired the head coaching of his choosing after disposing of Ron Rivera for having one bad season with a banged-up quarterback in Cam Newton. Again, seven games we win, Ron Rivera is disposed of. We go get a mediocre college coach, and he sells Wolf tickets to the whole organization, the fan base, and, and tells us that he's the chosen one that's going to turn the program around. He said, this guy breathes like me. He sweats like me. He walks like me. Matt Rule is pretty much a reincarnation of myself. Cool. So already to me, you a hoe. Um, we bring in Scott Fitter. All of that Scott Fitter, that Uncle Scott shit was cute during the offseason. It's over with. Mm. I'm 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 <laughs> I'm almost already gonna tell y'all right now that Scott Fitterer should be fired. Because what do I know? I know that the Carolina Panthers don't have a first round pick this year. I know that the reason why the Carolina Panthers don't have a first round pick this year is because they wanted to make a move for the number one overall pick. A number one overall pick that so far, up until this point, no matter how you feel about him, simply hasn't panned out. Terrence will have a lot to say about that, I'm sure, as we go further on in the show. Um, what I also know is that he couldn't get a first-round pick for Christian McCaffrey, so we settled for a second, a generational talent. A running back, again, that we disposed of because – we didn't take into account that on 85, 86% of our plays, he was touching the football and absorbing uh, uh exuberant uh, amount of fucking damage game in and game out. 
So cool, you couldn't get that done. You got a second round pick for him. You turned down two first round picks for Brian Burns. Um, top seven defensive defensive end slash pass rusher, according to NFL execs and head coaches as well as players around the league. Turned down two first round picks uh, for him. Couldn't get a contract done for him. So now he automatically puts a halt on it week two into the season, letting me know that, yeah, I'm pretty much not coming back to Carolina. And and, and I want to make a public announcement to Brian Burns. Based on what I've seen on Sunday, I don't blame you. (laughs) I don't blame you. So just know it's a couple of things right now that's just not sitting well with my soul because, like I told y'all, probably mm, six or seven months ago, that I believe that Dave Tepper might have an underlying plan to get this organization moved from Charlotte. The more and more time that goes by, and the more and more time that I see bullshit, my theory is pretty much proven. But that's neither here nor there, because that's about five, six years down the line. So we'll leave it there. Cool. Let's talk about the game on Sunday. Chuba Hubbard, Bradley Bozeman, and Chandler Zavala. The fact that I sat there on the second possession and watched Julian Love do nothing short but attempt to take your starting quarterback out with a bullshit hit that he should have been ejected for, and neither one of y'all three, and I only say those three because those are the three that I saw on replay that were right there. The fact that that nigga got that shit off and neither one of y'all went over there and rammed his fucking head into the turf until his collarbone was broken, let me know already that well, we wasn't on shit. Cool. The game proceeds, and the more and more time that goes by, the more and more niggas continue to drop off, the more and more I realize that this current football team that played against the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday was waiting for an opportunity to quit and to give up. When that opportunity presented itself, that's exactly what happened. I will say that I commend Andy Dalton and Adam Thielen for being the only two dogs on the fucking field on Sunday because our offensive line and the lack of ability to protect the quarterback was just disgusting, to say the least. And we got niggas, you know, I try and shoot shoot the niggas' bail during the preseason. Somehow we still end up blocked. And then I go out and I and I have to watch and suffer through one of the worst offensive lines in the fucking NFL. Actually, not even one of the worst. The worst based off PFF. A lack of discipline. A lack of fight. A lack of creativity in the playbook for the third week in a row. CC Frank Reich. It's a lot of shit already. And I know I've been all over the place with this intro. It's, it's a lot of shit already that shows me that Frank Reich is nothing less than Matt Rule 
the lack of fucking discipline, the lack of fight. Niggas just giving up. I mean, nobody, like I said, I mean, I don't know if y'all watch Hard Knocks or not, but it was a specific episode in, in camp in practice where I don't even know who the coach was that was standing beside Salah, but it was one of them days where testosterone was building, it was a little hot, and, and Salah already knew, yeah, we're going to let them fight today. That's the type of coach you need leading a group of men. I'm tired of this soft shit. Like I said, the fact that Julian Love was even able to leave the field, not in the back of a fucking ambulance, told me everything that I needed to know about this team. Because they should have wore his ass out. And because that was that's that was the moment where the fucking where where the standard was set for the game. Because I believe the nigga was on a hit. I ain't going to lie. I believe he was on a hit. And we had three niggas, like I said, when I looked at the replay, we had three niggas in particular, an offensive line, two offensive linemen and a running back. And Julian Love was able to stand up and go to his fucking sideline untouched. His fucking neck should have been in the dirt. But, you know, that's what's to be expected from the Carolina Panthers. Like I stated last week, niggas think that we sweet around the league. If you go look at some of the signs that have been floating around going viral in the Panthers fan base, fan bases think that we sweet. And then I got to go on Facebook and, and, and hear and look at motherfuckers crying talking about quote-unquote classy. What a class act, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the soft shit that runs through this fucking fan base, runs through this team, and runs through this organization. Terrence, go ahead. You say y'all got Kool-Aid on your lip. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, the the only thing that I think he missed in the intro, he called for everybody else's job but Frank Wright's. And I say that because he missed his name in the intro, but then proceeded to say that this is the third week in the row that the play calling had a little stale. And when you have that, and then you have a coach who is telling you publicly, I'm the one calling the plays. Okay, cool. You're the one calling the plays. Week in and week out, we put up a subpar performance on offense. Um, Still have no running game till this date. The offensive line is the probably the most undisciplined offensive line I've ever seen in my life. Throughout the entirety of the game, the score the scoring positions that we we semi got ourselves in, we single handedly took ourselves out just because of undisciplined penalties um, by veterans like Taylor Moten, um, who's supposed to be the leader of the men on the offensive line, in my opinion. Um, but then you still got guys like Ick, who is false starting and committing penalties like he's still in high school. Um, you still got guys in the backfield like Miles Sanders, who we continue to to give the ball to to run in between the tackles, but he'd rather sit in the backfield and dance around. And then, I mean, like, like J.J. said, the only guys that showed up 
were Andy Dalton and Adam Thielen. And everybody would say, you know, looking at the game without really doing any breakdown or anything like that, that the offense looked a lot better than it did in the previous two weeks, and which I, I don't disagree. Um, the only thing I would say is that your quarterback threw almost 60 passes. He threw 58 passes. I, I, I haven't even seen – I don't even know if I've seen anything like that ever. Um, I could be wrong. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if I've seen anything like that ever. And I don't think a team even – I could be wrong here. I'm not a coach. I don't think a team wants to go out there and have to have their quarterback throw 60 passes because I, I just feel like that's uncommon, that's unnormal. But that goes to the uh, the play calling, goes back to the play calling, in which our head coach can't seem to get it together. And then it's always an ego thing, in my opinion, in the press conferences because he refuses to give up the play calling duties. And another thing is I'm only under the belief that the offense, quote-unquote, looked better than it did in the last two weeks is because Andy Dalton might have – half of the playbook might have been Andy Dalton's playbook. And I say that because Frank Wright, a reporter, asked them, they're like, um, why does it seem like this week uh, you've been going down the field versus when Bryce was in and you haven't went down the field? Did you add more plays in for Andy Dalton to go down the field? He says no. Not in particular. He was like, I might have added like one or two. But for the most part, Andy Dalton gave me the plays that he wanted. He had specific plays that he wanted. So just by that, I mean, I almost feel like Andy Dalton might need to be the offensive coordinator calling the plays. So that just goes to show you that, like I said last week, like I said when I learned that, Frank Wright was the front runner to be our next head coach. I wasn't a fan. I didn't like the guy, and I'll say what I what I said again last week. Um, he got fired for ESPN analyst who never coached anything above high school football, which I don't even know if he coached that. And then he proceeds to get fired <laughs> before the end of the season is up. So if I'm just going based off of that, why 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 should I bring you in as my next head coach? And I think that just goes to show that, you know, the front office is out of whack because you have guys like Scott Fitter, Dave Tepper, Nicole Tepper, Dan Morgan. They go and make these kind of decisions, and then you wonder why we're still in the same position that we were in the past couple of years under Matt Rule. And so that's what I have to say there. We can dive into the game. Um same thing happened as it does every other week. Your defense goes out, get a three and out. You get the ball back. You march down the field. It looks promising. You get a penalty. You settle for three. And that, that that's exactly what happened again this game. And I was listening to uh, Shannon Sharp speak, and the more I think about it, like everything he said is true. And he was referring to the uh, – I don't even know what game he was. He was referring to the Cowboys game. Like, you can't go down the field and win a game against a decent football team off of field goals. That's not going to get it done in the NFL. When you get the ball in scoring position, you have to put the ball in the end zone. And that continues to be our problem week in and week out. We continue to march down the field. It continues to look promising. And then 
we're undisciplined, that penalties take us out of scoring position. We settle for a field goal, and then it happens again the next drive, and then all of a sudden you find yourself playing from behind. And ultimately, when you're playing from behind against a, a team who they made the playoffs last year, correct? Correct. So when, when you get in the position that you're playing from behind against a team who's made the playoffs, against a team who I would say has better players than you, just the better overall team, has the better head coach, you're not going to win those games. And that continues to happen week in and week out, and it happened again this week. So not really surprised that we didn't win. It makes all the sense in the world that we didn't win because of the way that we started off the game. And so until we can address that and get that fixed, then unfortunately this will be the same thing week in and week out. And I mean, you know, we're going to dive into the, stat, the stats here, but <clears throat> what really just bothers me and what really pisses me off is the fact that we have a bunch of guys on this team that are extremely emotional, right? I've heard numerous stories about Dante Jackson three, four, five minutes after getting into the locker room, going on Twitter and, and, and blocking multiple fans. We get blocked by Taylor Moten during the preseason, and his name didn't even come up. Numerous numerous players have this approach, and it's just, you know, befuddling to me. I mean, damn, you want to put the mic in his mouth? <laughs> and it's just befuddling to me that they're so emotional, yet they can't do their job when it's time to go to work. And as a fan, as a fan base, we're just supposed to sit back, continue to watch a bullshit product after wasting thousands of dollars. I mean, I've legitimately spent thousands of dollars on the Carolina Panthers organization in the span of probably about four or five months, I'd say. Would you agree? Yeah, somewhere around there. Cool. So, but yeah, I have to deal with emotional-ass niggas that don't want to be fucking held accountable. 34-58 for, for Andy Dalton on 361 yards, two touchdowns. Miles Sanders, again, continues to look subpar, continues to look like nothing more than a schematical running back, nine carries for 24 yards. He did get a touchdown, you know, on, on, on the goal line, 2.7 yards a carry. Don't be misguided by that final 24 number because his longest run was 15 yards. So cool, eight yards for not, or excuse me, eight carries for nine yards. I mean, really, <laughs> that shit is just simply pathetic. Adam Thielen, again, one of them guys that I can really say nothing bad about. I can say nothing bad about Adam Thielen and his performance on Sunday. Eleven catches for 145 yards, one touchdown, and really, it's just embarrassing that a guy of this age has to be perceived as your number one receiver. Because you have guys, rookie guys, young guys, like Jonathan Mingo, like Terrace Marshall, that end up with one catch, that end up with three catches, you know, end up with cool five catches for 35 yards. That ain't shit. Hate to tell you. I know a lot of niggas in high school right now that's doing that. I know a couple niggas in the CFL right now that's doing that. So, you know, we're going to have an honest conversation about Terrace Marshall today too. Because I don't give a damn if he gets emotional. Hate to tell you, I don't give a fuck. Block us. 
cool. It ain't. It, it, it really don't mean shit to me because at the end of the day, all of these niggas that continue to get emotional and continue to block us and continue to do all of this other shit, they'll be without a job in about two or three years. And do I wish that on a player? Absolutely not, because I know that this is the career path you've chosen and spent your whole life, you know, working on and, and, and working towards. But at the end of the day, this is what y'all this is what y'all forced me to do. Um, defensively, Kamu Grage Hill, who we've been calling to see more of, had ten total tackles. He looked like a liability in coverage still at the end of the day. Um, Von Bell had eight, Sam Franklin had five. Brian Burns uh, added another sack to his resume. So, you know, as weeks go on, he continues to increase his money, the requirement for what he'll be, you know, paid at the end of the year. Frankie Louvu, early exit. We're going to talk about the injuries as well. Xavier Woods went down. CJ Henderson went down. Frankie went down. You know, so, it, 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 I mean, it's very bad. It's very bad. Uh, the run defense continues to look like bullshit. Um, 18 carries for 97 yards for Kenneth Walker and two touchdowns. Uh, Charbonnet, nine carries for 46 yards. Did don't just embarrassing. Just did don't embarrassing. Yeah, that weight was room, bad. Weight room. <laughs> that, that, that was bad. DK Metcalf, six yards or six catches for 112 yards. I'm willing to say about 80 of those yards came on the same motherfucking route. At some point, we you you know we were expected to make adjustments as professionals, but I guess that's just not applicable to this this situation. Um, you know, that's that's all I really have for stats. It's just really sad. Tom, let me go. Let me go further from a team stat perspective. Twenty nine minutes for the Panthers, thirty minutes for Seattle. Total yards three seventy eight compared to four twenty five Seattle. Passing yards, 378, 425, Seattle. Um, excuse me, passing yards, 334 to 279, Carolina. My apologies. Total yards, 378, 425, Seattle. Rushing yards, 146. First downs, 27, 23, Seattle. Penalties, 13, 8, Carolina. Lack of fucking discipline. We did win the turnover battle, but ultimately it didn't matter because we couldn't capitalize. Um, three sacks, two sacks. 75 total plays on offense, 71 total plays on offense. I, I, I'll just be honest with y'all. It was a lot of shit that pissed me off on Sunday. It was a lot of shit that pissed me off on Sunday. Uh, one of the main things that pissed me off on Sunday, because I got a couple of things, and I hate that the tonality of this podcast is this today, but y'all got to understand the amount of money and time that we invest into this organization just to be shit on weekend and week out. So I almost, you know, I almost... Don't even feel bad transparently. If y'all turn the podcast off and our retention numbers go down a little bit this week, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Cool. Um, One of the things that pissed me off this week is that our special teams coordinator, for whatever reason, at the end of the game had a fucking smile on his face when his unit looked like one of the worst units that we've, we've ever put out from a product standpoint. We got fat-ass DJ Dallas. Averaging 25, 30 yards a return. And he might not run no faster than a fucking 4-8, There's never a time ever again for the rest of the year. I don't give a damn what Dunk's current status is or what position we currently need him to fill. There's never a time for the rest of the season 
that I don't want to see dunk. Sam Franklin, 42, if y'all don't know who it is. There's never a time where I don't want to see him playing gunner. Because there was a specific point. I don't know if it was a second or third quarter. where we got two gunners. DJ Dallas didn't call for a fair catch. Two gunners get there simultaneously, and the nigga runs through them. Should have been stretched. Should have been stretched. Should have gave it up. But we can't even do that. And then what I got to look at at the end of the game in the fourth quarter is a motherfucking smirk. Like some shit is funny. I saw that multiple times on the sideline. And, and then that's when I begin to get triggered. Because it's just like, what the fuck is funny? Somebody help me understand. Because I want to smirk too, nigga. I want to smirk too. So what's funny? I go, they pan to the sideline in the first half. Bryce Young fucking smiling. Fourth quarter, they pan to the sideline. Special teams coordinator fucking smiling when the game is wrapped up. What's funny? Somebody tell me. I don't get it. So that's one of the things that pissed me off. Another thing that pissed me off. On multiple occasions, I see not only Brian Burns, who I can kind of understand it, even though on tape last year he showed you he was a liability in coverage, but I can understand it. On multiple occasions, I see Bryce, uh, uh, Brian Burns, Etor Gross Matos, and Justin Houston fucking lined up in the slot, head up with Tyler Lockett. So all of this talk about EJ spending one year and then getting a head coaching opportunity, somebody got to show me. Because I'll be honest with as poor as this run defense has looked, He's not deserving of a head coaching job. It's a lot of shit that I'm, 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 I'm very confused on. It's a lot of shit that I'm very confused on. Um, what else? What else do I just need to get out and, and, and just rant about? I just know that I never in my life ever again want to see Etor Gross Matos lined up face-to-face with Tyler Lockett in the fucking... I don't want to see him going face-to-face with nobody. And then y'all's boy, Dante Jackson. It's time to call it a career. Soft. It's time to call it a career. Hate to tell you. Hate to tell you. I'm sure that'll get us blocked by that nigga, too. I don't even give a fuck. Your time is up, bro. Hate to tell you. Uh, Thank you for your service. It's been about four or five years. It's been up and down. At this point, we don't need you no more. Because you look about damn near like Keith Taylor did last year. Getting burnt in coverage, cheating. Eyes in the backfield. We we allow a damn wide open pass to Kenneth Walker down the sideline. Get burnt for a touchdown. Really was burnt on the play that he made in the back of the end zone that he broke up on the little. And Geno didn't even really pump for real. But cheating in the backfield again, luckily Geno put too much air on it because if you would have put it on a rope, you would have been burnt for two touchdowns. Then at the end of the game, you get dunked on by a motherfucker that runs a five flat. That's not a tight end. So, you know, it's just really, it's really, really bad. I mean, I hate to be this pessimistic this early in the season. Now, we can go out and we can beat Minnesota. We can go, you know, do this and that. But that 0-6 that, you know, that ever so elusive 0-6 that we referenced 
for the past two, three, maybe three and a half months, day by day, continues to look more and more realistic. Strength and, coach, uh, strength and conditioning coach needs to be fired. No idea who it is, but the fact that we got niggas dropping off left and right, you know, <laughs> it's just, it, it's baffling transparently. It really, it really is. Got Jonathan Mingo stretched on the sideline by by a backup cornerback and Witherspoon. He, I, I'm telling y'all, he was head hunting on Sunday. Nobody did shit about it. So, so every, every pretty much every Sunday or Monday, in the case of last week that I that I sit back and watch the Carolina Panthers, I just ask myself, really, at one point or another in the game, why do I continue to do this shit to my mental health? Mental health. Like, I, like, like, realistically, because I think that y'all think for whatever reason that I be joking, and that you know, I, 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 I the, the shit is not said to be taken serious. But if y'all knew really, like, the amount of stress, the amount of fucking mental health issues, the amount of like legitimate physical harm these niggas cause me. Just based on the stress and the reaction from my body to the stress. If y'all understood that shit and had to live in my shoes, y'all understand that this shit is really not a joke to me. Like, it really does something to my body when I see a nigga come down from 10 yards, damn near kill our quarterback, and the bitch don't die. There's no harm caused to the nigga. It really does something to me. Because it shows me that y'all are soft. And then Facebook, for the following 48 to 72 hours, I got to hear bitch shit with niggas that don't know football. That's why every single week an away team comes over, takes over our our city, and don't nobody mob our shit. And then when we do have niggas trying mob our shit, like we saw last Monday night, that nigga get knocked the fuck out. (laughs) Because it's just a lot of fucking soft ass shit. And I'm fed up with it, bro. I'm fed up with it. It's pathetic, bro. It really is. It, I mean, it was a lot of shit, bro. It, Terrence, you can go ahead because I, I, I see you picked up your I mic, mean, so. I, I think based off what you're saying, the, the last uh, little bit that you spoke, I think that that can lead us into where were our expectations at this season and how that's kind of affected us thus far. You want me to be honest? Go ahead. We we like like honestly, based on what I, I the product what I've seen on the field the first three weeks, there's a possibility that we might win three games total. Yeah, no, I, I was thinking about the same thing. I, I even might have wanted to say two. Yeah, because I mean all of these games and we'll go through it just really quick, just for the sake of the argument or for the conversation. Um, and we'll we'll circle back to to more details regarding the Seahawks game because there are a couple of things obviously that look relatively good on film, so we'll dive into that. But let's just go look at our schedule, and let's redo it. <laughs> let's redo it because I had us at ten games at the beginning of the season. Uh, niggas that I bet I'm gonna just go ahead and start paying y'all now. So Tavian, you'll be getting your appreciate money it, soon. Appreciate it. Matter of fact, just take it out the fantasy money because I still ain't got that from you yet, nigga. So just hold on to it. I'll take care of it. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Terrence Marshall gonna make me some more. Seattle. Okay, cool. We just lost that. Um, maybe we'll beat the Vikings, but as of right now, it's gonna be a no for me. But make sure you tune in on Friday at nine a.m. 
We will have our Minnesota Vikings preview. Uh, Detroit, you not beating them. Miami, you not beating them. Based on what I've seen on, from Houston, you not beating them. If Anthony Richardson plays on week nine, you may not beat the Colts. I mean, I think we're still going to dog the fuck out of Chicago. Dallas, not even a conversation. Tennessee, the ability, the lack of ability from us to run the football already, coupled with that defense, not winning that. Tampa Bay, I mean, they're 2-1, and one, so who am I to say that we can beat them niggas? New Orleans, you know, Derek Carr's health is going to be coming into play, but that is week 14, so he should be ready to go by then. Atlanta, Green Bay, Jacksonville. But yeah, three games. <laughs> three games, and that's max. Um, three games max. I say we we could possibly get to one Sunday. You don't beat Detroit. You don't beat Miami. I think you got a better shot at beating the Texans than you do the Colts. Um, so I'll go. You will beat the Texans. You will lose against the Colts. I don't even know if we'll beat Chicago. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and say L there, L Cowboys, L against the Titans, L against the Bucks, L against the Saints again, L against Atlanta again, L against the Packers, L against the Jaguars. You might sneak one in against the Bucks on the last game of the season. Because they'll be sitting all their players cool. Yeah. So that's about two wins. Shout out to y'all, though, for making the uh, Chicago Bears offseason. It's going to be a great one this year with them draft picks y'all gave them. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> that's another thing. <laughs> ain't, ain't much to say about that. Yeah, but I mean, that's another thing. We can't even tank. Yeah, because we ain't got nothing what to tank the, for. Yeah, what, what would be the purpose? Cool, so you can get the 33rd, 34th overall pick in the draft. We can't even tank. Yeah. Because, you know, we wanted to, like I said, and this is going to be a conversation for about five or ten, ten minutes down the line, but we're going to have a conversation about Bryce too. Hate to tell you, and I and I know you're going to have a lot to say, and that's fine. But I got a lot to say too, because the more and more time that goes by, based on what I seen from Andy Dalton this past Sunday, and then I go back and watch the film from the first two weeks of of, of Bryce Young, and I hate to tell you, but the fact that still remains. That he does look scared back there. He does. I see Andy stand in the pocket and let his dick hang and get mopped, 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 mopped consecutively because of this weak-ass offensive line. So, yeah, we're going to have a conversation about Bryce because I see what CJ is doing in Houston. And everybody tell me stop overreacting over, you know, from two or three football games. Okay, cool. Y'all told me the same thing about DJ Johnson, too. Y'all remember that? Niggas that, that be and Sheena in them space, y'all remember that? When y'all told me that I can't judge a nigga based on the fact that what he put on tape in college, I got to give him time to develop as a rookie. We got to see what he do in the preseason. Y'all remember y'all told me that? And the sorry motherfucker was a healthy scratch on Sunday. And this, and this is why I say we got to get rid of Scott. Because not only was he the third over the third round overall pick for the Carolina Panthers, but you traded up to get the sorry motherfucker. Even Oregon fans, with as loyal as college football fans are to their school, to their team, whatever may have you, even Oregon fans was telling me DJ Johnson ain't worth the fuck. 
I turned on the film for myself. I said, okay, cool, he's not. Y'all are absolutely right. But when JJ speak, you know, niggas, they want to dismiss it because, cool, they think I'm trying to say some sensationalized shit or they think I'm overreacting or whatever the fuck. Cool, I'm just telling y'all. I'm just telling y'all what I see. I done seen CJ go for what? Over 900 yards his first three games. I done seen it. And nobody can make the argument to me that his receiving core is that much better than, than Carolina's. You can't. Because you got one nigga that has been in the league for damn near a decade in Adam Thielen. You got another nigga who, you know, the PFF gassed him up. Everybody was feeling good about him. And Terrence Marshall Jr., who proves already week in and week out that he's not living like that. Terrence Marshall Jr. again, and I know I'm just ranting this episode, but Terrence Marshall Jr. is about to be on that Shaw Smith list for me. Dump the nigga. Because he's just a waste of a roster spot. He out there getting cardio. They might as well let my fat ass take his place, get paid a, a couple hundred thousand per game so I can lose weight. Because he ain't doing shit but getting cardio. He ain't making no impact on the game. His stat line looks cute because he catches a couple slants. But then when the moment gets big and we need a big play from the nigga on third and nine out of, out of halftime after we did our job defensively, he folds. Because I guess he had to adjust his body, you know, slightly towards the ground. So I guess the only thing as a receiving core we can do is catch fly routes, i.e. DJ Turk who everybody wanted to gas up because he finally scored a touchdown, made a big play on the sideline, but then on that same drive, on a slant route on second and nine or second and 11, whatever it was, dropped it, dropped the slant route. Had the cornerback beat by a step and a half. I'll just argue that on the play that he even scored a touchdown was a busted coverage because you had the DBs both looking at each other like they ain't know who was supposed to grab who. And you want me to tell you what's funny about that? What did I say two or three weeks ago? Everybody want to gas DJ Chark up and make it seem like DJ Chark is going to do this and do that for this offense. But I didn't see him make a play over a starting cornerback in the preseason, or excuse me, in training camp. And then come right back, prove my point. Niggas want to gas him up once again because he made one play over, again, a backup cornerback on a busted coverage. It's a lot of things that piss me off this week, bro, honestly. Um, you can, I mean, you can also go Jonathan Mingo. He ain't really showed me nothing. He drops too many passes, if you ask me. Um, but I guess overall, back to where, do you want to go the more on the game or? We, yeah, just, let's just go more on the game. Because, I mean, it is, a pre, or it is a review of the game Sunday. So let's just go more on the game. It's just, it's, it's really just hard for me to stay on that singular occurrence and that singular event because I just know. And I and what's funny is I told people two years ago, three years ago, when Dave Tepper didn't fire Matt Rule in his second season, I told niggas that we were very, very close, very, very close to being set back for a decade to a decade and a half. I said that verbatim on this podcast before it was like really this podcast for real. When I was still using the same set for two different podcasts, I said that verbatim. And I'll even do y'all the benefit of posting it this week so y'all know I'm not capping. 
I said that two and a half, two years ago, two and a half years ago, and the more and more time that goes by, day by fucking day, that theory is fucking proven. It is. And you know what? At the end of the day, guess what? Unfortunately, nothing's going to change because we got a nigga that don't give a fuck about shit but money sitting in the owner's box. So y'all can blame all of this shit ultimately on Dave Tepper. But let's go back to the game. <laughs> I mean, to me personally, like, it's not really – I'm trying to figure out – it's not really much that I have to say about the game in totality. If you watch the game, then you obviously know we couldn't run the ball. We couldn't stop the run. We played terrible as an offensive line. Uh, let me see. There was a statistic that came out. Let me go find it real quick, just to uh, reel it in, put in perspective, put into perspective how bad the offensive line was. So, Panthers, Panthers' offensive line has allowed sixty pressures in three weeks. That's on pace for over three hundred and forty for the season. The most PFF has ever charted was two ninety seven. So I mean, I we we on pace to set a record this year. And it ain't a good one, pretty much. But that goes back to what I said preseason. Um, I, I would just like to tell people when I speak, you might want to listen a little bit, even the guy beside me. Because I told him, preseason, the offensive line looks subpar. It, it reared its head in preseason. There was too many penalties. There was guys who couldn't really pick up design blitzes. Um, there was communication issues. There was it continuing, continuously getting beat off the edge just because guys are, quote-unquote, more skilled than him. Um, you had plays from Timo that were very subpar. Didn't look like he was a veteran uh, tackle at all. And I told him. I told y'all. I told JJ. That, that's, a, that's concerning for me. That's concerning. But, no, it was wait wait until the season starts. Wait until the season starts. You can't look too much in it in preseason. They'll get it together. They'll be better. So, they played decently better the, the game afterwards. We get to the season, and here's the stat. So, like I said previously, like I said before the season started, during the first preseason game, that this offensive line was subpar. And we can't blame it on... Brady or Kay Mays because you wanted those guys out for your boy Chandler Zavala. And so that's the offensive line that we decided to roll with outside of um, bro, Austin Corbett. He mm-hmm. He's still he out. Um, but I'm not under the belief that even if you bring him back or when he does come back, that we'll look even, that we'll look uh, better from what we do now. So, it just goes back to show you that the team wasn't well put together. I mentioned that last week. This was not a well put together team during the offseason. The names that we seen intrigued us, got us hyped up, got us gassed up. But the more and more games that we play, the more and more we get exposed for what we didn't do when it came to the offseason. So that's basically what happened during the game. Everything that that we thought was going to go wrong, has gone wrong. Our receivers, I mean, 
other than Adam Thielen, I haven't even seen a guy who who should be a number two receiver on anybody else's team. Jonathan Mingo drops too many passes. DJ Chark, he's only good for the cute plays. The basic slants, the basic out routes, they hit him in his shoulder pass. They hit him in his hands. He can't catch those. Our running game, Miles Sanders, hasn't shown me anything. He likes to dance in the backfield. That got us nowhere this game. Um, and our run defense, I mean, they they just look terrible. They they look terrible. Kenneth Walker ran the ball up and down the field on us. Ran the ball up and down the field. And when he felt like it, he said, cool, I'm going to go catch me one in the passing game too. So he pretty much did what he wanted. Um, we couldn't stop a nosebleed in the secondary. DK Metcalf, I don't understand how he's the most open player on Seattle when he should be the player that should be double teamed almost every play. But for whatever reason, he has six for a buck twenty. Um, and so yeah, everything that we thought went wrong would go wrong went wrong. And so that that's kind of my my total breakdown of the game. Tell me, it looked like you had something to say, so. You got it. Cool. You can go ahead. Um, one of the biggest things that concerns me, but one I'm just gonna read read, read the current injury report off to y'all because this you know came on the timeline. Bryce Young already listed as questionable for the game on Sunday, and to be quite honest, just based on what I how I feel already with him already looking jittery and and, and scared. So it's better that way. It's probably best that he doesn't even touch the field until week eight. Honestly. Because what I believe Detroit is going to do to us and what I believe Miami is going to do to us is damn near ungodly. Damn near going to keep them niggas out of heaven. So, I mean, does this not go back to what we said at the preseason, though? Bryce Young takes a few hits in the NFL. You know, that preseason shit, you was talking about him getting popped and getting up. That shit is different when you get popped like five times. I mean, I maybe, maybe. But he didn't get hurt on, on by getting popped. He rolled his ankle, so it's just nah, like. but he I got mean, scared cool. by getting popped. I mean. Because he looks like a fucking shell of himself. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, that's true. I also feel like based off the what I seen from the offensive line, I might be scared back there too. And I'm a little bit bigger than Bryce. But, I mean, it all comes full circle. It all comes full circle. We we have, we right now we have a terrible organization. We have a terrible team. And like you said, not to take away, I know where you was about to go with the injuries. No, but fine. it doesn't seem like it's going to get any better within the next few years. If, I, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, I mean, I really, <laughs> I really don't know where you go. Me neither. Because there's so many holes. I mean. You don't have anywhere to go in the draft. Yeah. That's out of the question. Yeah. And free agency damn near might as well be too. Because who's going to join an organization that looks like that? Yeah, I was about to say because, I mean, if it's me, there's just, uh, (laughs) you know, there's just no way that I come and play in Charlotte. There's just no way. They don't even want to pay their own guys. Why are they going to pay somebody from the outside? Right. And then you go back. let Let me go through this injury report. Bryce. Questionable already for the game. Frankie Louvu messed up his hip. That I mean, that that's just something that we just simply don't need. Niggas think that I dick ride Frankie Louvu, but if you look at the stats, he's probably the second best player on our defense. 
He is. Go look at the stats. Got snuffed for an all-pro last year. I mean, you can say that J.C., him, and Brian Burns are interchangeable. To me, he's the second most important guy on this defense, second only to Brian Burns. Um, you know, so that doesn't bode well for us. Xavier Woods also went out with a hamstring injury. We saw that happen in the first half. Jonathan Mingo got stretched on the sideline. I knew immediately when he got hit, he was going immediately to the tent Same. to not return. I, I said it to Yak, who will give a phone call here to shortly to get his takeaways on, on what he's seen the first couple weeks. Um, already got Shaq on injury reserve. His season is over. J.C. Horn on injury reserve. No idea when he comes back. And he's dealing with a hamstring injury, had a hamstring procedure, so we don't even know what he'll look like. Um, Austin Corbett will be back soon, we hope, but who knows. Um, And it's just, yeah, it's just very wicked. It's just very wicked. Another thing that I just have zero tolerance for, not that the injuries is one of those things because I understand the, the, the game that these guys are playing. I understand the risk that they take every single week, putting their body their body on the line for our entertainment at the end of the day. Um, you know, so another thing I have no tolerance for is 13 penalties. That, to me, is just pathetic. What are we, tied for 28th, I believe? And, and being the... 28th in the most penalized as the most penalized team in the NFL. Something like that. Yeah. I ain't even looked it up, but it sound about right. Cool. And then I mean, everybody wants to do all of this talking about the 12s and the 12th man and doing all of this shit. Bro, all of that is cute. All of that is cute. And guess what? I can understand it from Zavala because, you know, he's the youngest one on the offensive line. But then we go look at Iki Aquanu who had four by himself, a guy who I told y'all, you know, had regressed in a very, very strange manner throughout the preseason and up until this point in the regular season has made no progress towards making me feel any different at all. Seeing four false start penalties from him when he was just there last year is just simply befuddling to me. Then we got Taylor Moten. I believe he got to himself. (laughs) <laughs> which, I mean, the audacity, because we talk about, you know, your guys, I guess, we get blocked because you're supposed to be the leader of the bunch, and we talk about them based on what they putting on film, and then we get ridiculed for whatever reason. But he has to himself, you know, it's just a lack of discipline. And then the fact of the matter is we don't take the penalties that we need to take. Like a 15-yard personal foul for putting a nigga's head through the fucking turf when they try and stretch your quarterback. Just really confusing. So, you know, it's one of those things. And like I said, and I hate to I hate to keep saying this because it makes me sick to even say it and to even believe that this is the truth. But this, the, the way this team is currently being ran is very, very Matt Rule-esque. It is. If you look at the film, if you look at the the, the amount of undisciplinedness on the team, on the film that's being produced week in and week out, you look at the lack of complimentary football. The running joke with Matt Rule when he was here was if you beat if you put up seventeen points, you will beat the Carolina Panthers, suggesting that defense was never really the problem. But then, 
I mean, we saw this week that even when our offense plays halfway decent and puts up, what, 23? How many points did we put up this week? 27, was it? Or 20? 27. Put up 27. Yeah. We, we, you know, like I said, we can't even play complimentary football. We can't get a stop when we need to. I believe it was later on in the third quarter, maybe earlier, midway, excuse me. Um, I believe we kicked the field goal to take the lead, and then the defense just simply allowed them to put dick in us and really looked like they were running a walkthrough right into the end zone, Kenneth Walker, to top the drive off. Yep. Appreciate you for fantasy purposes, I guess. Then uh, C.J. Henderson got hurt too, right? Yep. See, I forgot to mention him yeah. too. C.J. Henderson on a ball that he really should have been dunked on to, just like like Dante Jackson. Twisted his ankle trying to guard D.K. Metcalf somehow. Messed his ankle up. So it's just, I mean, it's bad, man. It's bad. It's ugly. It's nasty. It, it's very, I mean, I still feel as though I'm trapped in the Matt Rule era. And at some point, we can no longer put blame on him. At some point, we got to start looking a bit higher. Directly above the head coaching position, we got to look at Scott Fitterer for the way he continues to put these teams together and for the way he continues to nut all over himself as it pertains to draft picks. And then we got to go a step higher in looking at David Tepper, who told you guys already, as well as myself, coming into his ownership stint with the Carolina Panthers, I'm not a football guy. I'm an analytics guy. So right then, red flags really should have started going off for us or going up for us as soon as he said that. Because the simple fact of the matter is, damn near every move that pertains to this football team, David Tepper, who is admittedly not a football guy, has his hands all over it. This organization is no longer in purgatory, it's in hell. And I really don't see a time in which we come out. I don't. I don't. I mean, you tried, you know, you tried your best bringing in Bryce Young, but like I said to me, <laughs> he has a long way to go if he even makes it there. So, you know, we can go there if you'd like. Yeah, we might as well go there. Okay, cool. Let's go there. Actually, let me call Yak first because I told him I would call him at seven. So we'll we'll call Yak and just get his, you know, just get his takes. Um for a second, and then we'll we'll go further. Yo. Sound like you out and about, man. What's up? Nothing much. Just cooking dinner. Okay, that's what's up. <laughs> you live, you live on the pod, man. We, I ain't gonna lie. Uh, I don't even know if you want to be a part of this episode. The amount of profanity <laughs> that I use so far, but um, you know, I, I I told you Sunday after we watched the game that uh, I would just call in and, and, and kind of get your thoughts so far on how the team looks, what direction we can go in to potentially turn shit around, and you know, direct, obviously, uh, direct reaction for the game on Sunday. But just wanted to tap in with you, man. So so how are you feeling three weeks into the season? Uh, well, horrific. 
I feel like the only place we can go from from here is up. That's the only positive out of this whole situation. Um, but to talk a little bit about the gameplay that occurred on Sunday was just inexcusable, inexcusable football. I mean, the penalties, like I'm sure every other Carolina Panther fan is seeing, they're making a mockery out of how dis- undisciplined we were on Sunday. Um, I don't believe any facet of our game Sunday, special teams, offense, or defense, was to our expectation. And, you know, it's going to be a very long season if we put out that, that product of ball each and every Sunday. Am I wrong for saying that I still feel as though, even with Frank Reich being the head coach, that it feels very, very Matt Rule-esque? based on the lack of discipline, based on the lack of complimentary football, et cetera? I, I disagree with that point. Just because I feel as if the people Matt Rule had around didn't command respect. I do feel as if the staff that Frank Wright has brought in commands respect. And I know nobody's asked the players this, but I'm, I'm sure they'd tell you there's a there's a big difference. Um, could I see why people would think that he's Matt Rule-esque, yes. But in my personal opinion, I don't believe it's time to, to sound the alarm or, or put him on the hot seat. I feel like a lot of people a lot of people think that it's time to put him on the hot seat. But, you know, we are only three weeks into this season. Rookie quarterback, I mean, I think a lot of us thought more of our wide receiver and core prior to the season than what we are – what we're actually thinking um and especially the defense um you know injuries don't help either but still i still feel as if we there's a level there's level ball that we should be playing and we're not playing it well yeah let me ask you this um if not ready to put them on a hot seat i think that uh over the past few weeks i think it's pretty evident that our play calling is so par um, mm-hmm. I think that we can't continue to call plays of that of that stature and roll that out every week. So what do you think he should do in play calling regards? Are you on the train that he might need to give those up to Thomas Brown or are we still rolling with him when it comes to the play calling duties? How do you feel about that? Personally, I feel as if we threw the ball more downfield with Andy this week and Frank was calling the plays. Now, if if Bryce comes back this week, I would like us to, to see, like, a more play action down the field pass game. If he can show me that and shows that, you know, he's not going to have Bryce Young on a leash and, you know, certain plays that he'll only run the flat and whatnot and actually put it downfield, then that leads me to believe he should stay the guy. But to that point, we are 0-3. So at this point, you know, it might be time to make a change. I mean, that's 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 how I see it. Yeah, I, I I agree, and I guess um, speaking on the Bryce Young situation, since we're about to dive into that on the pod in a little bit, um, what do you think based off of Andy Dalton's play, um, based off of other rookie quarterbacks around the league? What is your what What do you think about um, Bryce Young so far? Like, what, what is your feelings towards that? Uh, he's a rookie. 
that 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 would be what I would say. But like me and JJ discussed after we watched the game, Andy Dalton played good enough to win that ball game. Now, in no in no in no game should you throw the ball fifty seven times. We completely abandoned the run. Yeah. Which I mean, that's you just you can't do that and expect to win the game, in my opinion, unless you have when you know one of those top three quarterbacks in the league. You cannot throw the ball fifty seven times with Andy Dalton and expect to win the game. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> I don't really think it gets much worse than it got on Sunday, but that's me being hopeful. Um, you know, we got Minnesota up next. I do still think that's a very winnable game, but we are we are maybe the most injured injured uh, team in the league right now. Um, in comparison to the other rookie quarterbacks, I still think Bryce Young is showing good stuff. I just don't think he's he's shown it all yet. Um, I mean, in those first two games, I don't believe he showed any. Yeah. He did show poise to me, but I still have a high expectation for him, even though it's his rookie year. Um, but, you know, like you said, they just got to do some things so they can really open it up and let him off the, let him off the leash, yeah. so to say. I agree. Tavian, it looked like you got something to say. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you, would you attribute the high number of passes to the poor like poor offensive line play as far as penalties constantly being set behind the chains? Yeah, I would attribute to that. I would attribute it to uh, offensive line blocking as well, run blocking, and the inability for, you know, I'm not saying he's not explosive, but Miles Sanders got to hit that hole a little hard, personally. And I know we're paying him that money, so we're going to see him more than Chuba, but, you know, if 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 we need to get the young blood in there, so he can he can really hit those holes hard, then we got to do that. But yeah, just undisciplined, um, and an inability to to finish blocks, in my opinion. I mean, like you said, to me, it's a <clears throat> to me the only reason why Miles Sanders continues to get the workload that he does is simply based on the fact that we did pay him twenty four million dollars. Mm-hmm. Because I mean. If you turn on the tape, you look at the statistics, there's no way that this guy should be able to should continue to be the lead back. And even if he is the lead back, there's no way that Chuba Hubbard doesn't touch the ball more than two times last week and one time this week. Especially exactly. when you take into account what he, as well as Raheem Blackshear, were able to do against Seattle last year in right. Seattle. So it's very, I mean, it's a lot of, what I was just telling the guys as well as the viewers and the listeners, you know, it's a lot of things right now that that are red flags to me. And yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, of course we're going to, everybody deals with injuries. Yes, you can make the argument that we're one of the, you know, most injured team with our start, two starting linebackers being injured, starting safety being injured, starting cornerback one being injured, starting quarter. I mean, all of that is great. But like you said, we were in a position to win the football game on Sunday, and we we showed a lack of discipline. We showed a lack of execution. And to me, that goes a lot deeper than the guys that you have on the roster. That goes to coaching staff as well as front office and an abundance of different things. So Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, Yak is always going to be that guy that's, you know, even kill and always going to be that guy that, you know, uh, has hope. 
But I'll be honest with you, the game Sunday completely, completely shot my confidence and my hope in this organization for the next three years minimum. Mm-hmm. The next three years. Yes, the next three years. Because like I was just telling Terrence, and this is why he hinted at us diving deeper into it. Like I was just telling him, I mean, Bryce Young has shown me nothing to make me believe that he was the right selection at, at number one this year. He's shown me nothing at all. And I think that's a reach. I, I guess since we're here, I'll go ahead and um I'll go ahead and give my take on it on the Bryce Young situation. Uh so in comparison to CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson, not to take anything away from those guys, they've been playing amazing. And I think that that simply boils down to their coaching versus our coaching. I had this conversation with Tavian. Well, I, when was it, Tavian? Last night or night before last or something like that? We talked about the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last yeah. night. And so me and him were both under the belief that, which I it's not under the belief. I think that it's damn near fact that D'Amico Ryans is a better coach than Frank Wright. And what is his name? Shane Steichen? That is mm-hmm. I don't know if I pronounced it right. He's a better coach than Frank Wright. At least that's what they've shown so far. And if you go and even just cut on the highlights of those two rookie quarterbacks, their coaches is giving them the leeway to to let them off the hook. Like, I, if I'm a coach, I need to design my play calling. Um, I need to design that to the ability of my quarterback. I need to mm-hmm. to design that to where I know this is what he did in college. If you go look at Anthony Richardson on the Colts, of course he's running in two touchdowns a game. They design it for him that way. You you have the you have the ability to do that. And also we're gonna give you the green light to do that because that's the way that you play your whole life. CJ Stroud, he's slinging the ball all over the field. That's the same thing that he did at Ohio State. He wasn't a real big running quarterback, but he had great receivers around him and the coach let him off the leash. You sling the ball over the field. That's what you do. But we have Frank Wright which in the first couple of games, oh, I'm going to run the ball the first two plays of the uh, drive and get you set behind the sticks. And so now we have to go and call a BS pass play to try to even move the chains a little bit. And so Mm -hmm. to me, that has all attributed to Bryce Young looking the way he's looked. And my thing is, it's like I'm not trying to shoot him any bail. I just feel like we haven't seen a larger sample size. And I also just feel like, if Bryce Young was to throw the ball 58 times like Andy Dalton did, I am truly under the belief that he would have put up better numbers. And just from a numbers standpoint, if you go look at the completion rating the or the passer rating and completion percentage, even though Andy Dalton was throwing the ball all, all over the field, Bryce still had higher numbers in that stat in his previous week. So I think it all boils down to Frank Wright, doesn't know how to necessarily coach Bryce Young as of yet, or at least he hasn't figured that out. Because at this point, if we can see that the offense looks somewhat different when we're throwing the ball, then why not let why not call that same offense when it comes to Bryce being on the field? Because I think he's just a talented arm talent as Andy Dalton. So that's my take on it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I would definitely say, to your point, it's more of an inability for us to move the ball in play calling rather than just, you know, Bryce Young's talent. Um, 
Well, so, I mean, well, yeah, put it this way. And I'm going to tell you just like I'm going to tell Terrence. Until the little motherfucker show me something, he ain't worth shit. So what, that's, what how, I, that's, like, that's how what I see would, it. Simple what as that. would you like him to dump? Put 400 yards up in his first NFL game ever. I, I would, or week two, would you like him to put 300 yards up against what is what is looking to be a top three defense in the NFL right now? I would have liked him in week one to not make the same mistake twice, which we saw him do against Jesse Bates. Mm-hmm. I would have liked him to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker in week two against New Orleans where, you know, you can make the argument that the old line broke down or whatever may have you. But, cool, there were numerous occasions where I looked down ill and there's receivers open. Everybody wants to talk about this receiving core. But, I mean, there's no way in hell that the receiving core is that much better when Andy Dalton is on the on the field in comparison to Bryce Young. So there's a lot of things that I would have liked him to do. I don't think they were necessarily better. It was just the uh, – I, I literally think Andy Dalton went – as much as Frank Wright want to say that, oh, I gave I, – I called in two extra plays here and there to throw the ball down the field. Andy Dalton gave me his specifics. Like, I am under the belief that Andy's Dalton, Andy Dalton's specifics uh, included a lot more of throwing the ball downfield. If he wouldn't, have, if he wasn't the veteran that he was, and would have been able to give Frank Wright that information, then the play calling would have looked the exact same in the previous week. So then I will ask you a question on why the fuck Bryce Young ain't making the same request. Because I you're mean, the number bro, one pick, and you know you have the keys to this franchise. But he holds no, zero weight. But yeah. he holds zero weight when it comes that's, to that's a play true. calling. Man. That's not that true. Is absolutely compared to true. Andy Dalton. Yes, that, I'm, I'm just simply not agreeing with that. I mean, you I'm, saying you saying that Bryce Young holds no weight when he was the number one overall pick, and, and the franchise deemed him as the next franchise quarterback. He holds all the weight, mm-hmm. and, 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 and I can go back all the way to draft night because then we have a deeper, darker conversation, which is typically the case on this podcast. But then I would even ask you if he holds no weight, then what the fuck is going on in the organization? Because I sat there and watched the Houston Texans. Asked the nigga CJ Stroud, what receiver do you want to bring in this bitch? And he said, take Dale. And what the fuck did Houston do? Bring take that bring has, take Dell in. Well, so I mean that has zero correlation to play calling. You crucify the organization every chance you get. Sorry to cut you off, Tavian. You crucify the organ organization to every chance you get. So what makes you think all of a sudden in this situation that the organization is doing the right thing when they ain't did shit right in the past three years. Because you done got away from Uncle Scott and all of that. If they made you go that far to stop calling this nigga your fucking uncle to now you think all of a sudden, oh, they're they're letting Bryce Young call the shots. And they gave Matt Rule an eight-year contract and didn't fire him until we were damn near three years down the drain. Now all of a sudden, here, Bryce Young, you call everything. Like it does, it's not even translating well. I mean, I th- I think y'all are looking way too deep into it. To be honest, I think the answer is as simple as the little motherfucker can't see that far down the field. That's why he ain't throwing that bitch that far. That's 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 dumb, Tavian. Yeah, I was about to say. We could have did without that comment. I ain't gonna lie. I mean, you just fucking fuck the validity and, and, and fucking purity of this podcast to hell. Like I mean, let's be serious. It's not. It has nothing to do with the sight thing. It has everything to do with the fact that he done got touched on his chin a couple times. He's jittery back there. And, 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 and any time he feels a 
inkling of pressure, he's trying to skedaddle and get out of the fucking pocket. And niggas don't have the speed nor the ability to win the routes downfield for him to make the throws. Well, you know what that means. That's need what to it be? is. Cause yeah, like I just told Terrence, I see Andy Dalton the whole fucking game stand in that pocket, let his nuts hang, and time after time again deliver every single pass in a big moment that we needed him to deliver. Here's why I say to that. And, and, what, that. and what did you credit that to? What did you credit that to? His ability to do that. What did you credit it to? His veteran presence. I, 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 accredit it to, I accredit it to the nigga not being pussy in the pocket. No, I accredit it that's to I, the nigga is to. old as hell at the tail end of his career. What the fuck does he have to lose? What does he have to lose? What, is, what the fuck does Bryce got to lose? He you just, ain't going nowhere, he, nigga. He just it ain't like we got a damn first-round pick to go get another quarterback. And that's what I'm telling you in the whole franchise. I don't understand why everybody is in such this big uproar. This is why I go back to the fact that the expectations were too high. Y'all are mad and wanting to ship Bryce Young out. What choice do you – I didn't say ship what, him what, what choice do you have at this point? Did, you're not like a winning franchise like Philly or Dallas – uh, where it's like, oh, I can crucify the quarterback because I'm so used to winning. We ain't used to winning shit. So as far as I'm concerned, everybody need to sit back. This is the decision we made. There's no point of everybody trying to slander him, push him out of the organization, when, quite frankly, if I was him, I don't even know if I would want to be playing for the fucking organization. So what I got to say is be thankful. <laughs> I mean, realistically, imagine me being thankful. For matter of fact, let's go ahead. Yeah, do you have any? So JJ, let's not let's not act like we're not twenty one days into the NFL into the season. I mean, yeah, you're right, bro. You're, you're calling right. you're calling for our number one quarterback, his head already, and we're twenty one days into the season. Yeah, I absolutely am. And like I just told the podcast, I don't need to see him until week eight. Because if his confidence, <laughs> and I'm gonna tell you why. Because if his confidence is already shot, and he's already jittery in the pocket. When we go see Detroit, who already done clipped Kansas City this year, and when we go see Miami, who just put up 70, if niggas think his confidence is shot right now, he might need to call the fucking hotline well, <laughs> after they do what I, the fuck they're going to do I, to I us. would take that back to that statement you made about how so good this offensive line was in the preseason. And, then, and, then and of look, course, we back and, at the fucking offensive because line. Because is that not what he got on here and said? Is that not what not, he got not on to worry. here? Don't, don't worry. He said, don't worry. It's only week two of the preseason, whenever the fuck it was, right? He said it'll be better when old boy comes back. They said they're going to be a cohesive unit. They're going to be returning to form as one of the top units in the league. And Can we now, clip that video too? And now all of a sudden, you you bringing up situations about your quarterback j- being jittery in the pocket when he done got teed off 10 times in a fucking preseason game. Who wouldn't be jittery back there? Because I know I'm not playing against second string no more. You think he jittery now? Wait until he line up in front of Michael Parsons. But the validity he might not he might not need to fucking play that game either. Well, the validity <laughs> in the statement though is 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 because the clock is ticking for Bryce because of the two quarterbacks who was drafted right after him. And we are twenty one days into the season, but they're already performing twenty one days. And into one the is stretch. Huh. No, okay, cool. One is stretch. <laughs> one is stretch. <laughs> one is stretch. Yet he's played better than Bryce Young. Two, two every, of them are stretched. Every Bryce time didn't we play, neither. Cool. Cool. One is stretched, the one that you're referencing, and he still looked better than Bryce Young in the game that he got stretched. Cool. And in, in the game he got stretched, he looked and, he looked better than Bryce Young week two. He looked better than Bryce Young week one. And CJ Stroud, any game you want to pick from his arsenal so far, he's looked better than Bryce Young. 
So the time is ticking. So yes, Jack, to answer your question, do I want his head? Yeah, because at the end of the day, this nigga was the number one overall pick. And up until this point, he hasn't looked like it. And niggas want to tell me about Peyton Manning and what the fuck that old bastard did. But at the end of the day, I understand what this draft class had. I understand that based on rumors that I've heard from a very, very, very reliable source who I, who, who I believe has some kind of insight on what's going on inside the building, uh, they let Steve Wilkes go because he wanted Anthony Richardson. Okay, cool. And so Frank Wright came in here and became a fucking yes man because I believe that the whole organization wanted Bryce from the from the rip. He became a yes man, and up until this point, Bryce Young ain't showed me a motherfucking bitch ass thing. Simple as that. We're, we're eight. He's he played eight quarters in the NFL. Eight quarters. Well, I don't that think, motherfucker I don't think in, no the, in, the, in the next eight, he better show me something. Because if not, the nigga got a problem with me now. Bitch, just wait. Just wait. And, and I don't care what kind of viewership we lose. I don't give a motherfucker if he like me or not. I don't give a fuck if he see me at training camp and do whatever he going to do. It is what it is. It is what it is. But at the end of the day, this is the motherfucker that we chose to be the number one overall pick. And he ain't showed me shit to show me that he deserves it. And, and the two quarterbacks that were taken after him, have have played far, far, far better football than I've seen even remotely close from Bryce Young. Well, uh, well, only time will tell. Only time will tell. And you, you remember, you remember, remember this statement you are making right now. And and next year at this time, or let it, let's even say eight weeks at this time, pull this clip back up, and you can say you were either right or you were looking like a dumbass. That's what, that's what well, I'd be cool. trying to tell him. Yeah, hey, and hey, it's usually it the way. last, the last word. Hey, you and said. put it this way: eight weeks from now, guess what? We play the fucking Dallas Cowboys. So I already know what the fuck time I'm gonna be on. Because <laughs> I know that if he don't get stretched, he's gonna be so fucking happy footed in the pocket that he may complete 15 passes, and he better not even remotely even think about trying to find Gilmore's side of the field. He better try the other bitch. That's uh. Uh, uh, Diggs back up. He better try him. Well, they look pretty sweet this past week. If if, if not, <laughs> the way I'm Damn talking sure shit did. about him right now is not even remotely close to what, what I'll have to say 11, 12 weeks into the season. But y'all keep shooting them bail. Y'all keep being okay with mediocre play. Y'all keep, you know what I'm saying, keep giving niggas passes. Cool. <clears throat> cool. It's no problem. I get it. Thank you for your time, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate <laughs> I'll it. Catch yeah. y'all for I'll sure. catch y'all later. I'll catch y'all later. All right, bet. Well, we had the Bryce Young conversation. <laughs> That's how I feel. Whoever got something to say about it, keep it to yourself because I simply don't give a fuck. Until he shows me different, until he shows me that he's worth the number one overall pick in the 2023 draft, where Anthony Richardson was a part of the class, where C.J. Stroud was a part of the class, hell, even where Will Levis was a part of the class, until he shows me something different, this <laughs> like, is my stance and, and, and ain't shit changing. Why did you even mention his name like he's played in a damn game? Well, Because as far as I'm concerned, he's somewhere getting ads and shit for a fucking mayonnaise company. So, I mean, he shouldn't even be mentioned in this conversation. About to say, yeah, he on the bench for a team that just put up three fucking points, so. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> 
Um, let me see if I got anything else. Play, let, let, let's go through this shit quick so we can wrap this up. And, and, player of the game. Need to. Yeah, player, player of the game. game is Adam Thielen, Hands 11 down. for 145. He caught a touchdown. I mean, he's like 33 years old, the only one that can get open and actually look competent in catching passes. That's my player of the game. If you watch the game, then there's not really much else to say about it. I'd agree with that statement. Adam Thielen is my player of the game, too. What's the best thing you saw? Adam Thielen. <laughs> like I'm being so serious. Like that that's the best thing. That's the best thing I saw. I mean, I I'd agree with that too. What's the what's, what's the worst thing you saw? The offensive line. They look terrible. They look terrible. Well, I would say the offensive line and the undisciplined of the team as a whole. Way too many penalties. Um really unacceptable. And anytime you put something like that out on the field, that'll get you beat. So, yeah, offensive line uh, tied in with the penalties, which most of them happen because of the offensive line. So, really offensive line. Yeah, I was just going to go uh, the the amount of penalties. That just simply can't can't happen. It's not cohesive football. It's not winning football. It's really simply sick and embarrassing. I mean, if they did anything at practice – Besides run stadiums for the amount of penalties that we had on Sunday, I mean, <laughs> my liking for Frank Wright will just continue to go down. Not like we'll ever know, but I just have a feeling that that just simply wasn't the case. And, if, and the audacity of you to come into the press conference and rapping, the audacity of you to come into the press conference and look us dead in our face, Look the reporters dead in our fa- in their face. Look the camera dead in the lens, and say, "I don't know why we had so many penalties, because we practiced with artificial crowd noise that was louder than the Seattle Seahawks stadium." For one, that shit is fucking idiotic, because no city ordinance is gonna allow you to have noise going on that loud. Unless you were inside the dome, which I don't believe you were at all this whole this whole week of practice or last week whole week of practice, um, and even if you were, the artificial crowd noise wasn't that loud. And even if it was, as a head coach, you should have made adjustments when you saw that your offensive line simply could not hear the cadence, simply could not hear the snap count. You should have made a, a, adjustments where you have the guard throwing his hand in front of the center to snap the ball so everybody knows what's going on. I really don't care what kind of adjustment was made or that you should have made. The only point that I have is that you should have made one, and you did Thus furthering the point that Frank Reich might simply not be cut out for an NFL head coaching job. We know already that he's not cut out to be an NFL Offensive play caller. There are a lot of things wrong with this organization. Like I said about 30 minutes ago, I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Now, you have a lot of fans like Yak who are extremely optimistic about, you know, the current situation, who believe that Bryce Young will be able to turn this this, this offense as well as this organization around. 
I'm here to tell you that I don't fall on that side of the spectrum. I don't. I'm in the middle. And then you have guys like him too. <laughs> that'll look for an easy way out. <laughs> How? And, and tell you that they're in the middle. Instead of just picking a stance and and just telling it how it is. That is my stance. I told her how it is the whole podcast. I told how I felt the whole podcast. And my stance is I'm in the fucking middle. Cool. (laughs) Well, I'm not. So, Tavia, it looked like you had something to say. Nah, I was just going to call him soft for standing (laughs) in the middle. I mean, it is. But, you know. (laughs) Say what you want. Told him how I felt in the middle. I can see it going either way. I can't until until Scott Fitter is gone, until Frank Wright relieves himself of offensive play calling duties, until Bryce Young lets his nuts drop. I'm not in the middle by any stretch of the imagination. Don't hold your breath. This could. Mm, mm, I was about to jump off the ledge right then, but I, I, I'm. But I'm gonna just let. I'm gonna just let everybody have it. I'm gonna let everybody have it. Because just the way that I'm feeling, <laughs> just the way that I'm feeling right now, this might potentially be the worst Carolina Panthers football team we've ever seen. So my thing worse is... Worse than Jimmy Clausen? Worse than Jimmy Clausen. If, if you're not in the middle, then what in your right mind predicted you, well, made you give them the prediction of winning 11 to 12 ball games this year? Delusion. <laughs> okay, cool. I, 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 as long as I don't it. have to say it. I, I suffer from it every single offseason. And for whatever reason, like I mentioned earlier, I allow it just to affect my mental health because I, I get gassed up like that shit. And then I'm just really, really smacked with reality probably at this point every single year. I'd say about week three. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> about week three it sets in. You know, and, and unfortunately it hasn't been that early the last two years, but it is this 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 way this year. Because, what, two years ago we went 3-0. and Last year we went 1-2. and I mean, at bare minimum, at least we beat the New Orleans Saints. You know, so it's come a little bit earlier this year. But I'm already under the belief that the Carolina Panthers are shot, shot to hell, transparently. And I'm not in the middle. I'm glad that you and Yak are optimistic. I'm glad that you're 50% optimistic. But to me, it's over with. Because that's a well percentage, right? What's the percentage? 50%. Yeah, 50%. Okay, cool. Well, I'm 0% optimistic about the rest of the season. <laughs> I was just asking because uh, you said I couldn't be in the middle, so I just wanted to make sure that 50% was a, a percentage. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I mean, I don't <laughs> appreciate y'all tuning in. <laughs> um, again, tune in every Wednesday and Friday at 9 a.m. Review on Wednesday, preview on Fridays, clips dropping every single week, or excuse me, every single day towards the end of the week on YouTube. Um, Try and do our best to get reels and TikToks out every day of the week, throughout the week, um, if not four or five times a week. So just make sure you're tuning in. We got a giveaway coming up on the bow, at the bow week. Going to do a free jersey of you guys choosing. We will be giving away some free tickets to a game later on in the season. Uh, might do something where we do a Christmas Eve giveaway uh, for our spirit of giving. I guess you could say we'll do two free tickets for that. Um, and, yeah, other than that, <laughs> I don't know what to tell y'all. Tune in to, to uh, Frank Reich's press conference. It should be coming on here shortly by the time you guys see this Wednesday morning. I'm uh, going to be very telling to know, you know, what the injury report looks like, who practiced, who didn't, et cetera. 
if we don't have Frankie Louvu against the offense that we're about to face, we might be fucked. That's what I have to say in rapping. What would you like to say? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't really have much to say. Pretty much an embarrassment again this week as it was the past two weeks. Um, we do have the Vikings uh, Sunday at 1 o'clock. It'll be a home game. I probably won't be in attendance. Uh, JJ might be in attendance. So, you know, y'all go and show him some love. Uh, cheer your team on. I'll be doing it from the crib. But, I mean, hopefully we have a better result next week. Uh. For whatever reason, the Saints signed uh, quarterback Jake Luck, Jake Lutton to their 53-man roster, who is currently or was this past week our backup quarterback. And we worked out Kel and Mon today. Cool. That's, that's befuddling. <laughs> yeah. 